Hello and welcome back to Night Spice Season 2, Episode 4. I'm Oscar here with Neil. Neil, how are you? Hey, Oscar. I'm good. Today we're going to be reviewing A Memory Called Empire by Arkady Martin. It's her debut novel and a Hugo Award winner, the 2020 Hugo Award for Best Novel. Um, spoilers, obviously, full spoilers, ending spoilers, all that good stuff. Yeah, not just for this book, for other things too. Yes, <laughs> probably, yeah, all content, possibly a video game, it's not clear. Right. You basically, just don't listen unless you've <laughs> consumed all stories. Right. All right, I'm going to hit us with a quick plot summary and i'm going to keep it sort of general uh so there is an empire some of this may sound familiar if you've listened to recent episodes there is a space empire called the Texcalani empire and it sort of is just sort of this unstoppable expanding civilizing slash conquering force the protagonist comes from uh how did they say it in the audiobook lacelle lacelle station lacelle station okay great um she is the new ambassador to Texcon, and her predecessor has been murdered. And basically, she goes there to try and figure out what happened to him. His name is Isander. Is that how it's? Iskander. Oh, Iskander. Right. Was Iskander. there a K there or C? Yeah, I think there's a K. Oh, okay. Sorry. I. Yeah. Neil listened to the audiobook and I read it. And there's a lot of confu- well, unusual names and stuff like that. So Yes. Um, so the protagonist, Mahit, is that uh, right? Mahit, yeah, that sounds okay. right. Yeah. She's the new ambassador. She goes to the you know home planet of the Empire and tries to figure out what happened to her predecessor and gets embroiled in basically a sort of imperial succession crisis slash coup slash almost civil war type thing. Yeah. And, and uh, then, yeah. Oh, the, no, no. the Empire screams... Uh, ancient Rome, perhaps ancient Byzantium. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. But with um, a, ver- a sort of Aztec religion, yeah. um, light, like blood sacrifice in their history, um, big temples, sun motifs, stuff like that. I think uh, it feels like a lot of the names and words are, are Aztec, but yeah, I didn't it verify. It, they, they seem like they have those phenomes yeah um so i think and and then the the primary i think the main concept in this book it has lots of sci-fi stuff in it but this station has this technology unique to them called imago which imigo. is imigo the, okay yeah i guess um, they're fine no no i mean i we should we should strive to be correct in all things Yes. And basically, it's a little they on LaSalle Station. They're a relatively small group, and they store like ancestor memories and personalities in these imigos and implant them into new people. So when um, you know a pilot might have ten generations of former pilots that they're compatible with in their mind, and they sort of absorb them eventually. Um, and and it it becomes more innate, uh, maybe reflexes and knowledge and stuff like that. But at the beginning, it's a little more like voices in your head. And Mahit has Iskander's, um, her predecessor in her imigo. 
and uh, once she gets there it 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 breaks pretty quickly and she loses him and then near the end of the book she f- is able to sort of regain that but that's that's that to me that seemed like the main unique sci-fi concept in the book is that um yeah but it's like straight out of cyberpunk 2077 oh yeah get us in there yeah um that game has like the exact same concept and it's like really? that's fundamental to the the game where like you're just implanting people in your head um i think it is a cyberpunk thing where you just like okay have tons of implants like not the game just the genre in general mm, that's true yeah I, yeah I, I and it's probably from some i mean cyberpunk is also this year so i'm sure it's from something before that but it was new to me and i thought it was pretty cool actually yeah um and it's it's also a big part of the book it turns out that iskander had promised the dying emperor who everyone seems to think is pretty good um that in exchange for not annexing Lysel station iskander would provide him with an imago so that he could kind of continue it would sort of make him immortal like probably not in the way that he exactly wanted and then iskander is murdered by other people in this sort of political um scheming yeah but it's not just for political reasons like they just don't like there's like a cultural bias against imigos and like implanting technologies right right and and sort of any kind of implanting technology even stuff that's sort of less like overtly existentially creepy yeah like a prosthesis as they mentioned right so yeah what how how are you Neil just huh? finished it, so yeah, like five, ten minutes, twenty minutes ago. Wow. Um, I'm good. Yeah, I. Uh, yeah, I didn't like get. I think the Aztec thing came together for me when, at the end, the old emperor resolves everything by, um, killing himself and declaring a new emperor right away to avoid the succession war. Um, he he doesn't end up getting the the Imigo. Right. Uh, it's a shame, really, because I would. That's what I for my sense of ambition wants him to have gotten the Imigo and oh, live forever. And I Not, mean, it was sort of sad. Like yeah. I, I felt bad for, but I really liked that bit at the end when she basically, the emperor is basically like, okay, well, I will make you this deal that I made with your predecessor um, who uh, promised me this. And she basically decides, no, this is too much of a betrayal of our culture to give this technology away. Although she also did, give it away earlier under much shadier circumstances wait I, I thought that's not what she said i thought it was like um you can't get it in two months and you're gonna die before then because it's a two-month round trip right. to their station definitely so like but a technicality kind of thing that's true but i think that was what got her off the hook but she also like really didn't want to do it right, right. although probably neither did iskander right but um but i thought that's uh, i like the emperor in this um yeah, he's one of those five good emperors from ancient yeah. Rome. Yeah, definitely. And the the whole succession crisis thing is classic. Yeah, sort of follow the Roman Empire kind of thing. Crisis of the third century. Mm-hmm. Um, though I was looking up the author, and she has a PhD in uh, history of medieval Byzantium. Yes. So that's not maybe there's some an- analog in the post 400 AD Roman history that we don't know about. Yeah. Because we didn't listen to a podcast on it. (laughs) Yeah. 
Because we didn't yeah. get that far. I mean, this must happen all the time, I guess, when I really think about it. Yeah, but... yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, there's those aliens of unspecified origin. That reminded me of... Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, the aliens were like uh, the reason why LaSalle Station... Some factions in LaSalle Station were almost ready to sell the Imigo technology to the Emperor because they wanted the Empire's defenses against this alien technology, this right. alien race. So LaSalle is sort of on the edge of the Empire's civilizing influence or however you feel about it. And on the other side of their jump gate or whatever it was called in this particular book, I think it was jump gate, they're starting to run into these strange alien ships that can't be communicated with and just you know, destroy their ships and they can't, they're obviously, it seems like an existential threat to humanity type thing. Yeah. Yeah. In retrospect, I guess sort of a setup for a sequel, which kind of makes me sad because. Oh, that's coming out. It's like tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not surprised. It's too bad, Uh, man. Why you don't like sequels? Well, it just recontextualizes stuff in a way where I think, Oh, at, like looking at it as a single book, I was sort of like, there were some loose ends here that I wish had been tied up tighter. And then you realize, of course, it's it ha- everything has to be a series now. So that flaw just sort of gets built into every new book that comes out. Right. Which I find a little depressing. Yeah. I do like series, though. It's like you, you're attached to the characters already. Yeah. I just always feel like it peaks at the first book. <laughs> um. Like there's at least one thing that peaked at the second book. <laughs> Possible, but I doubt it. Yeah, I can't remember what it was though. I mean, um, people like The Empire Strikes Back, although I also yeah. like A New Hope. So I think A New Hope is probably good. Um, it's well, yeah. I'll think about it. Yeah, well, definitely not doing. A... <laughs> oh God. Yeah. What? A, it, certainly not if you like the first book. Maybe if you like crazy nonsense, right. then the second book would be better. Right. Right. Um, anyway. Yes. Oh, so the aliens reminded me of the aliens from ancillary justice where they were just kind of a monolithic like force that you don't interact with. Oh, right. The ones who like build the gun. Yeah. What are their names? I don't know. The the something they were, they weren't the, er, Oh, were they there? No, those were just some like friendly. Oh, those were like, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't remember the name. It was something, you know, made up and thus I remember. Did you notice how how so many other things also reminded you of Ancillary Justice? And it has a quote from Anne Leckie, the author on the front. Uh, what what are the other things? Well, just not like not the stations, in a, not in a really critical way, but like the Empire felt very very similar. The annexations, I think they even talk about imperial aptitude tests in both books. Oh, that's true. Um, but th- this book. Uh... I don't know. In that book, I didn't get a Rome vibe. And this one, I definitely did. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. I don't know. I I, I feel like I got uh, a similar... I think this book was more successful at its sort of political intrigue than that one was. Like, I thought the emperor in this was a thousand times more sort of compelling than um, Anander Mianai in that book. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that's the difference. Like this book had factions and like people who could conceivably succeed the empire, the emperor, right. and that one was just like one ruler. I yeah, think that, was, was, that was the difference for me. It also, well, the it also favorably compares to the Curse of Chalion in that in that one the political plotting there were like two people 
like two sides, one person sort of standing for each side. And in this, it did feel I okay. So I really liked or appreciated how it wasn't. It felt the the politics and the society felt sort of loose enough and real enough. It wasn't like comic book. You know, if you whisper a word against the empire, someone you know disappears you off the street. It felt right. like a real society where like if you had enough pull or like nobody paid attention to you you could get away with lots of stuff and there was plenty of dissent and it was just sort of like well we can't stamp it all out and i don't know it it felt legitimate in a way that those other two books felt much more sort of constructed simplistic yeah yeah i did feel like i was reminded of the curse of chalene and the pacing um yeah like it was very slow and I was like, I know what's going to happen. Please get to the next part, please. <laughs> um, like, especially towards the end. Uh, I So I liked the last third. I, the first half of the book, I was like, I'm, I don't like this for lots of ways that I will talk about soon because that's what I love to talk about. And I thought this is just another. But once, I, I don't remember exactly what happens, but the I thought the last third of the book, I was... I wanted to know what would happen next. Um, yeah. Yeah. I guess the pacing me. got better, um, but it, it was still like, I want to know what happens next, but I I'm done with this part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, this is something I've said before. So I, I, well, okay. So obviously part of the reason I wanted to do this podcast was to sort of formula, uh, formalize some of my own thoughts about what makes writing good and stuff like that by doing criticism. Um, and I think I've just come to the point that I think a major theme in most of the books we've read, most of which I have not loved, mm-hmm. is that there is so much writing where it's just so bloated, right? Like there are whole chapters in the first half of the book and the second half, um, but particularly in the first, where people just sit around and are sort of whimsical at each other and banter with each other and think internally about how complex the situation they're in is and how clever their adversary is and nothing ever happens. Like yeah. whole, very much like how I felt in the curse of Chalion where I was just like, dear, dear God, like if you cut this, nothing would be lost. Like a little light, uh, uh, one part of the layer of sort of, um, you know, atmosphere and, and built up, sort of sense of place would be lost because you're taking some of that out, but essentially nothing would be lost from the story. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. I wonder if like how this happens, like, do you think the authors are just kind of writing and they feel like they did a good job and they have to include it and they have some sort of sunk cost fallacy or they think like it actually adds a little bit. I said, you said it does add a little bit. It adds a little bit to me. Um, as someone, okay, have I said this disclaimer recently? As someone who who tries to do some amateur fiction writing from time to time, I know how hard it is. I uh, so you know I'm impressed when anyone finishes anything, but I think my theory is that it's when people don't have enough to say for the length of the book, right? Like they're. Oh, but this was a long book, right? Like this book yeah. was like 50% longer than the last couple of books we read. Um, yes, definitely. But I, I think, I feel like I said this about the last book and I felt it about uh, All the Birds in the Sky. 
and I felt it about a bunch of books. Um, it's just, it feels to me, it really feels to me exactly um, how I feel if I were to sit down and just start writing and just sort of try to be, not think too much about the structure and the content of what I'm writing, but just sort of, I don't know, try to be a little stylish and let sentences come out in, in, in rhythms that feel right at the time and then not really edit them. Um, and just sort of chalk it all off to being your own personal style. And I think, so then I think you get whole chapters where when you go through, you're like, oh, I kind of like all of these sentences. This is cool. This is cool. Like, this is an interesting way to visualize this. Like when you're editing, right. when the author's editing. Yes. But you're not doing sort of this, the really um, intense structural work of like, what is the value of this? I'm probably just thinking of this because I just finished editing that finance committee report for <laughs> the town. But that was basically all we talked about. And I think it applies everywhere. Of just sort of like, well, wait, does anyone actually care about this section or can we just delete it? Um, and I think there's a lot of repetition. There's a lot of, I'm going to try, I have a couple examples, some writing examples that I want to talk about. So I'll look for those and stop talking for a minute here. Um, how did you feel about the political poetry or the oh. emphasis on poetry and literature? Right. So this is a society where they, everyone is obsessed with poetry. Um, they use it to sort of in, encrypt in a completely like not intending to be a code way. Um, people, poets are popular and like perform. Uh, they committed, as you know, the, the one cardinal sin we've formalized in this podcast, which is actually writing out the poetry by your genius, genius poets in your book. Um, which is a disaster. Oh, yes. Um, but it, it did get the message across. Like at the end, there was a section where they had to write a poem yeah. to uh, yep. send a message to someone else. And I mean, it, it worked. They sure did. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm down for the idea. It's sort of an interesting take on like, well, what if a society got obsessed with some different form of art than ours which i don't know ours is like movies or video games or something like that but what would it what if it, maybe that's what it was like in, in byzantium i don't know yeah um, i thought that was like reminiscent of the past um, yeah oh i guess and, so yeah. yeah what it made me think was that the author just really liked poetry i'm like oh this person yeah. is just like kind of inserting her deal into this book i mean i guess it's her book but um yeah. i was like thinking oh this is like the author writing about what she knows but after looking up her credentials, I don't know if she actually knows about poetry. I am seeing there's a little poetry in her Wikipedia bibliography. Oh, I see. So, so maybe she likes it. I'm she, she. I think you. She has to like it to put it in. I think it's a really, really dangerous move to to write in. You know, it's it's like writing in the the songs that the elves sing when Bilbo and the dwarves come to Rivendell in The Hobbit. Uh, it's it's okay in The Hobbit because I think it's supposed to be a little comic, but, you know, it's not, it's never going to be as good as it could be in someone's head if you just sort of, you know, said it blew everybody away. It was beautiful, right? Then right. you can sort of imagine some really moving event experience you had like that. But if you're really reading the words and then everyone's like clapping and think, and and the main character is thinking about all the 
deep meanings of it. It's it's a little. I find it a little. I don't know. Embarrassed. I was a little embarrassed reading those sections. Right. I think um, I have a slightly different opinion than you because I never feel like any poetry is like very good. So I'm like mm-hmm. just thinking, this is what other people must think good poetry sounds like and in this world this is what people think good poetry sounds like and it's the same as like if i went to a real poetry reading with a famous poet and i i probably wouldn't affect me because i have some brain issues yeah yeah, Um, (laughs) then i i would just be like oh this is what people who like poetry like um but it's not what what i like yeah i guess so i just yeah i i think that makes sense i've never been to it maybe we should go to a poetry reading yeah, we can see if it, it's any better than the poems in these books we've been reading. Or I mean, it's it's just tough to. It's a tough sell, to write actual verse, in in a book and tell the reader it's great. Unless it actually is obviously great to the reader. Right. It's it's going to be a rough spot. Could it be great to like? Is it possible that some poem is great to a selection of people? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Those people. You're not in that selection, but the peop- the characters in the book are in that selection. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, so that, I don't think it's like book destroying. Right. That's how I kind of uh, make this not be book destroying. Like, that's how I think about it. Yeah. Okay. But I know um, we've encountered this kind of thing before. And it's been rough sometimes. Yeah. I, yeah. As, as a, yeah, definitely. Um, I have a, I have a writing example here and so the book and we kind of talked about this a little with um all the birds in the sky when i was complaining about what i thought was sort of overwrought description and you were more on board with it um right Uh, san francisco bar stuff yeah so i have an example of uh, a, a couple examples of writing where just to sort of try and get across the criticism i'm making even if no one else agrees with it but she she's wandering around drunk after the big imperial court event and she finds the garden with the hummingbirds and the creepy clone kid in it um and we get this sentence she was more sober by the time she found the garden not dizzy or faintly ill only buzzed shimmering strange and she was glad of that both the lack of true drunkenness and the lack of total sobriety and then the sentence continues to me this is a, a perfect example and maybe this sounds great, and and maybe it is great. I don't know. Um, to me, there were so many sentences like this where I I just felt this is just someone putting out words. This doesn't communicate anything really of interest. The only information it conveys is that she has sobered up a little and that she has found the garden. A and little she likes bit, to be, like, right? Buzzed. I guess, yeah, but. I just, I would much prefer a style of writing, especially in books like this and like so many others that to me feel bloated if it was just getting to it. Like it's not, there's no, to me, really interesting insight in that sentence, right? Yeah, I I would cut it, um, especially if I wanted to cut one out of every three sentences in this book, which I did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it, it was definitely... Yeah, I guess if you wanted to include it, you could like the most terse way to put that is like she was no longer drunk, but buzzed or something like. Yeah, or she was more sober by the time she found the garden. Right. Yeah, Or that's like a nice way to put it. Yeah. I mean, that's I'm just it's easier because I'm just keeping her her wording. So it's sort of cheating. Right. Right. 
and and there that that is more a different style right that's a more sort of minimalist yes style but i just think to me this this other style doesn't convey sort of dense literary um you know creativity creativity and imagery it conveys just volume just like words are being put out by someone who has a pretty good handle on putting out words and is not really working them over to make sure that everything has a job to do i guess yeah i agree i think the book loses out twice by having sentences like this once because it's longer and once because it's harder to follow things mm. um when you have to get through these sentences like you might forget it, like it's harder to keep things in memory when you're reading longer and longer sentences definitely yeah that's that's a good way to put the cost. Yeah. It's, One of the big costs cost. of doing this. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, all right. Let me talk about a couple things I liked. We'll mix them back and forth. And I did like, you know, no spoilers, but I found more to like in this book. The first chapter or two, I was like, oh, this is going to be pretty cool. Like, this isn't really going to be my style. It's got, you know, two fake, um, what's it called? Like when you cite fake documents, it's a, a sort of epistolary style where it's got oh, oh yeah. landing manual from LaSalle Station and oh, paragraph right. from chapters. a yeah. from a what's it like a like a restaurant review from the Empire at the beginning of every chapter. So it's that kind of book, right? Really yeah, dense. I was thinking of cyberpunk the entire time, like they're the notes you read when you're really like wandering Is, around. Oh yeah, like codex entry type stuff. Yeah, it happens in like lots of games, like in Borderlands yeah. too. Like they're just like random menus you can read <laughs> yeah definitely and and there were yeah it's the world's flavor i guess ex exactly but it's yeah. hard for my eyes not to glaze over those unless they really apply to something right um, sometimes they can be interesting on their own i don't know how many of them were interesting in this book i agree and there were a couple but yeah. i i had to sort of struggle i had to force myself to um to to read them all mm-hmm if if I were not reading for review, that's the sort of stuff I skim all the time. Right. Um, but I was talking about something I liked and I forgot. Oh, I liked the beginning. I was like, this is good. The Imago concept is cool. I, I'm, I'm always down for like a space empire, military, diplomatic annexation, like little fringe country trying to hold off the inevitable. That's cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm on board. Yeah. Um, I, and I really, the, uh, big problem with this book, I think, is that um, this is a compliment in a way that I think the the dynamic between Mahit and Iskander, who is the voice in her head, the previous ambassador, is actually really good. Um, she he knows more than she does, um, but she's in control. They had he had a good sort of voice that was distinct from hers. I I thought they're dialogues were paced well and stuff like that but for the middle like 60 percent of the book he's not yeah. in, in her head anymore and oh yeah that I, is rough <laughs> yeah and and that sucked because something that i liked got got removed and it would have blown everything up because he would have known all the answers she needed but, but still. only the there's two esconders um That's like he true, she, yeah. she got a young one um that was 15 years out of date and then she got the 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 latest one at the, towards the end of the book so it was kind yeah. of the 
the Dumbledore moment where everything is revealed because like all of a sudden you have all the information. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't quite that bad, actually. It still ended up being interesting. No, but after it, that. I mean, yeah, it's a it's a reasonable analogy. Yeah, for sure. Uh, sorry to interrupt again. Um, no, I, I guess. Even... Was that, or is that the end of your thought? Like you lost. Yeah, that, that was that thought. Yeah. About that yeah. dynamic. Yeah. And I was happy when he came back. So, yeah, I, I was too. I'm like, oh, this is going to wrap up things nicely. And I do kind of like the Dumbledore moments. Cause I'm like, oh, finally, someone will tell me what happened. Right. <laughs> I never minded those in Harry Potter when I was reading them. I mean, I guess I was younger, but I wasn't like eight. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I always like them. I just, I feel like there's something you're not supposed to like. Yeah. I, I think they are a criticism that people make of those books. But at the time I was like, oh, this is so cool. Like we've been sort of in Harry's head all the time, all the whole book. And now we get to see the big picture. So yeah. I always kind of looked forward to them. Yeah, me too. I was like, oh, finally. So did did this make this, when I read this, I thought it would make you angry. So I'm curious to know that it, it did. It's very minor. It's not a real criticism. But when they have a, that like book code to communicate with each other, did that set you off in any way? I was annoyed by all the poetry ciphers. Is that kind of what you're talking about? No, or... she has like the the book code to communicate back with Lucell Station, where they're like, they they came up with this code based on a book, so they could send secret messages back and forth. And oh no, I like that. I thought that okay. was good. Um, I was just thinking like, it's science fiction. Why don't you just encrypt it? Like, oh no, that that no, because that's like uh, actually a a unbreakable form of cryptography called a one-time mm. pad. Um, so it, it reminded me of something real that oh, was actually very legitimate. Um, huh. Okay, that's cool then. That's probably why you weren't upset. Yeah, because I was like, oh, this is actually well done. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of curious when I read it, like maybe there is a real reason um, yeah. that they would use this instead of technology. Right. Well, it's it's like, uh, it's like this, a simple thing that always works. It's like the yeah. first idea you'd have. Yeah. Yeah, book um, codes are are fundamentally unbreakable. Unless right? you find the book. Right. Um, or you have a man in the middle attack. But like, presumably, they met. Yeah, I remember one-time pads from that cryptography class that I didn't finish. Oh, like uh, in college or something? No, no, I took some online course. Oh, I kind of remember this happening. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it did. Yeah. Um. I think, talking about poetry, I think the society based on poetry, fine. The um, cryptography based on poetry, I thought was fine because it was just supposed to be like stylistic. Right. It I, I always said be, that. So I thought that yeah. made it okay. Um, if it was like legit, I would be a, would have been upset. But they always yeah. preface it being like, it's not for real. Yeah. I don't like the in-text actual written poems that are supposed to be great. But, you know, that's just a preference. I'm not willing to accept characters endlessly talking about references and jokes based off of made up poetry where people would be like, oh, that's just like when Ten Ribbon went to the thing in the in the drama, the, the teledrama. And then other people are like, oh, that's it was actually really clever that you thought that reference that that made me crazy. Wait, was it maybe I just like zoned out during all those moments but weren't they um saying things like uh these are events like the old dramas dramas of old and i would just think of like like books based in ancient rome and not anything actually in the universe uh yeah but i guess they actually had stuff in the universe too well to me it was just like i i don't think those are 
unrealistic conversations for those characters to be having but for me it was just one one step too far of like how deep do i need to go into your world building to right. you know like what is this adding this is so much work in quotes as a reader to have to hear this reference to something that's not real that so therefore i've never heard of and then listen to characters then explain the reference in world because otherwise i won't understand it and then listen to characters think about like how clever the reference is to something that doesn't exist so for me it was just sort of like i, I don't know it sort of summed yeah. up I, I definitely can relate to that. Like uh, that's been happening to me in cyberpunk where I don't like understand anything hmm. um, because it's all based on references and that I haven't got into. And <laughs> I don't know. That's why I think I like the game less than with the Witcher three, but we're not reviewing that right now. No, but we should, maybe we should, <laughs> but I don't want to play it. So <laughs> yeah, maybe I can interview you about it. Right. We could have a, a special, special podcast about it um, yeah. when I finish it, you know, week or so in another hundred hours or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're, well, we shouldn't talk about that. Uh, okay. Um, uh, yeah, so I kept thinking LaSalle Station was like some tiny one province minor mm-hmm. <laughs> in like uh, the uh, Armenia region. And the aliens right. were like the Huns, perhaps, or the Mongols. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Some sort of un- unintelligible to them yeah external threat did you so did we uh, we talked a little bit before we started recording we talked about the the byzantium and aztec connections right yeah i think we mentioned them okay here and and the author is a a historian on byzantium but also apparently medieval armenian history oh yes yeah that's why i thought of um okay that because of her expertise on armenian history and I like the way that their plan that they Lucelle Station sort of had these different, in mostly in the background schemes of background characters to try and leverage the situation in different ways to deal with the invaders and the empire at the same time. Uh, that I thought that was some decent little political maneuvering type stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I did enjoy some of the political maneuvering. I liked how there was all these factions that seemed credible. Yes, definitely. Like 30, Larksburg, and... Oh, yeah, what do you think about the names? Yeah, I was going to mention that. Um, I was at first annoyed, but then I found it much easier to remember than like some other names in other books. Right. So should we... Do you want to describe? Yeah, everyone in Texcalon is... uh, named a number and the number doesn't have anything to do with like what generation they're in. It's just like a number their parents like followed by some word and the word can be something like helicopter or stethoscope or what are some other good ones direction. Yeah. And then a lot of them were, were like, um, you know, a plant. Yes. Like a flower, something like that. Someone was like six helicopter. Yeah. And then there was, someone was like, arctic terrain vehicle or something and everyone thought that was hilarious yeah. and it it was but then there were other people who were like yeah like six helicopter and everyone was like yeah what's what's the problem with yeah that? That, that, that that guy was like a real serious politician like a yeah a governor of some kind not really less than that but oh yeah and what, what is up with the other like the titles like leadslam and is Waswakat? what 
<laughs> oh, these must have been those italicized words. I I think they must be Aztec words, but they it was like you know, counselor to the emperor, and right, right, yeah, it was Yatlik, I guess, general, maybe. I, okay, yeah, it's very hard for me to relate these sounds that you're saying to the what words I read and didn't understand, but I right, think right. I know. Yeah, I, I liked Iswazwa cat because there was a cat at the end. Sure, right. <laughs> I could see, I could see how that you could get sort of fixated on that. Um, yeah. <laughs> That that's like one of the highest ranks too. Yeah, that that was like the counselor, right? The or the like the emperor's closest. Yeah, yeah. Advisor, like thirty Larkspurg and nineteen ads or whatever her name was. Yep. And eight loop. Eight. Oh yes, <laughs> eight loop. Yeah, it's just crazy. But wait, so you know, I was oh, kind of okay with it too, and and I'm in retrospect. So I was also sort of like, okay, this is silly, and then I sort of got used to it. And it gave it sort of a nice alien feel, like alien culture feel. And then at the end, I realized, God, how much more annoying would this have been if they all had like made up fantasy novel names? Yeah, yeah. No, right? I like the name. I'm like, this is so easy to remember who's yeah. who. So we'll start um, doing that, I guess. Yeah, I think that's the future. So why did Eight Loop um, summon Mahit? I have no idea. Summoned like, Mahit to say, like, you, uh, you are no longer, you are worthless to me. No, I don't know. Like, why did she summon? Oh, why in did the first loop? place. Yeah, that, I I missed that. I assume because um, Eight Loop was part of the pl- the deal to give the Emperor in Imago in exchange for leaving LaSalle Station alone, and wanted a new ambassador. Eight Loop didn't kill Iskander, right? That no, did no, didn't. So. Oh. Here's the yeah. thing. <laughs> All this political stuff, uh, you know, uh, that's really hard to pull off, I think. Um, and I think in the first half of the book, there's a lot of stuff going on where Mahit is just like, oh man, all these people are political geniuses. All this crazy stuff is going on and nothing is really happening in the book and you just sort of have to take her word for it. Um, and then she gets sanctuary with 19 ads and is like, well, I'm basically a prisoner here now. And then just sort of is like, well, it's like not clear why, other than some very vague ideas, and then just sort of stays there and thinks about like how she's been outwitted and how terrifying 19 ads is and nothing ever happens. Um, This is like the poetry thing. I think if you're gonna, it's, if you're gonna write characters as, um, you know, political geniuses, it's really dangerous, right? Because mm-hmm. everything they do has to be really clever if you're going to show it all, right? Like I think the emperor came off really well because he's like this impressive guy um, who's clearly sort of smart. He doesn't talk about his plans. He's not closely involved with Mahit. Like he's not just hanging around all the time. So he's sort of mysterious and you don't know entirely what's going on. But I don't know. The, a lot of the political stuff, particularly in the first half, I just didn't care. I didn't right. know what the stakes were. I was just sort of like, I guess someone's trying to kill Mahit. That would be bad. I thought it was like a mystery, though. It was like, uh, what's going to happen? It was. But I guess like, yeah, but I guess you're right. The political stuff, like, who knows what that's about? Like, the mystery is like, why did Iskander get killed? Right. And that was, you know, at least uh, at least a, qu- a question right yeah like at least it existed 
unlike other books, which had no questions existing. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of interesting when you find out, and it's kind of a mystery, like what his plans were. You kind of wonder if Lysel is going to sort of politically survive. What's going to happen to the Empire? I think the book goes into the politics way too early before you care about any of the characters, anything like that. So I was just sitting there being like, oh no, 30 Larkspur wants to take over the Empire. From And it's like, I I guess, is that bad? Aren't Isn't this whole Empire bad? Like at the beginning, the whole right, Empire seems just bad. seems sort of like, yeah, great, kill, kill each other. No, like we... So- uh, sorry, go ahead. No, that's I'm just upset about the empire. <laughs> so I, I, at this point, I was like, "This is definitely ancient Rome," and I'm like, "These guys are the Caesars." So I like had, I was like building on my um, knowledge of ancient Rome to mm. kind of fill in the gaps here, and I was like, "Oh, this actually is interesting to me." Like, oh no, the Caesar is going to like try to seize power from the emperor early. He should be unCaesared. And then I was trying to remember if that ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> Another mystery. Yeah, um, I. I th- I just think it was a little contorted. I w- like I don't I wish there had been fewer heirs. I think okay. But it's like the Caesars, right? They there's co co-emperors. I know, gotta... but but you got to in fiction you have to simplify <laughs> to convey your message, right? You don't you can't just you know, like two competing heirs instead of three and one is a clone child and then there's a fourth like outsider. I there's I just a fourth one? the one lightning I thought that guy was like a usurper. Yeah, yeah. I just mean in terms of sort of competitors for the for the throne, right? Um. All right, let's. I think um, the last third I thought was pretty effective, despite all of that, because I liked um, I liked seeing Mahit like she sort of is in love with the empire and like mm-hmm. its culture. And the people and the planet and but she also sort of feels very guilty about that and the empire is you know a big danger to her home and seeing her sort of reacting and and sort of sympathize like watching this beautiful planet sort of tear itself apart in these pretty like believable ways i thought Mm -hmm. um i i did have some response to that and was like oh this is sort of tragic and i do kind of want Six Direction, the current emperor, to somehow come out on top over these just, you know, random scheming generals and stuff like that. Right. Um, so, uh, I yeah, so I cared sort of about what happened to the Empire, what happened to Lucelle Station, and what happened to most of the characters at the end, which is pretty good. Like, for the books we've read, that's like, yeah. that's never happened before, I don't think. Um, I'm just scrolling through the list of books we've read. So who, who planted stuff. the bomb in like 15 engines, Jester or whatever? Was that 19 no ads or like, um, someone I in that faction who doesn't want to give the emperor immortality? No, it must. So, so people, yeah, people try to kill my heat from time to time. The first is a bomb. The second is like a plant toxin and 19, 19 ads. ads. Well, yeah. no, it was sent to her. And she sort of allowed it to go to Mahit and then saved her at the oh, last moment. Oh, I see. I, see. Yeah. I think you, I, I think so. I assume 30 Larkspur. Oh, yeah. It must knows? have been 30 Larkspur who sent it because he doesn't want the emperor to live forever because right. he wants to be the emperor. Right. 
Um, but yeah, that that certainly this that's a pretty random guess by me. Like that's that certainly gets left behind. Yeah, I think they talked about it. I just was like not paying attention. They do. There's just there's just so much going on. Yeah. Um, just going through notes. How did you feel about the ending, which is basically where the emperor realizes he's not going to get to live forever, goes to the main temple, plays patriotic music, etc., and then um, sacri- like kills himself on television, like announces his successor and says and does this no longer current practice of sort of dramatic ritual suicide to sort of bless the incoming to make it happen like right away right and to sort of give it this legitimacy how did you feel about that i liked it um it was at that point that i fully understood your aztec references but then i remember the name of the empire was texcalon um (laughs) (laughs) yeah i just felt like all the words i don't know this may be very ignorant but they no no no, no, the words are definitely central mexican okay um but yeah I, i don't know i liked it what did you think about it I thought it was good. I didn't really see it coming until yeah. paragraphs before, like the, the characters, some of them are sort of like, oh God. So you, you get the, I thought it was good. It was a good end. It, I was trying to wonder like, how is this going to tie up? Like, there's not a lot of pages left here. Is, is it just going to be like, oh, then there's a battle and everyone but one side is killed or, or something really dumb yeah, like that? Way better than this, that. It was good. And I was like, man, if, if I saw something like that, that'd be crazy. And I'd probably at least have second thoughts about my revolution and be like, maybe I'll just, that was pretty serious. Maybe I'll just hang back. Yeah. Um, and what about the very ending where Mahit basically is a sort of a semi-celebrity and then decides to return to LaSalle Station at the end? Oh, I was uh, sad for her. Because she's like, going back to like a box. Yeah, she seemed to like it, but yeah. um, yeah, I didn't. I don't know. I, I was. I didn't like that as much. But I, I guess it. It's better than the alternative of her like becoming a like aristocrat in Texcalon. Yeah, I mean, I was also. It. It felt like a diminishment for her. Yeah. But from a story perspective, I th- again, I was sort of like, how is this going to end? Is it just going to be sort of like. Oh, and then like her position was assured and I'm going to be the right hand one, you know, at the close confidant of the new emperor. Um, That would have also been sort of, so it was a, I I thought it was a a decent little way to, she's sort of like, ah, this empire is pretty cool, but what about being in a weird station? Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's like LaSalle station doesn't seem that great. Like it also wasn't, we don't have any connection to it really because it was hardly on screen. Right. And it, um, it sounds, it's pretty much, it, it sounds pretty, um, you know, uh, Spartan, like, yeah, like barely, like every, you know, I, I, it's a place where you might like ration the amount of water you have to shower, right? Like that was kind right, of the right. feeling I got. Yeah. I, I didn't understand the two factions, like the miners and the mayor or whatever, the administrator, whatever her name was. Oh, yes. Like, the, why the, did she like? Of heritage, they 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 were trying. This was another thing that was sort of hard to hang on to. But she, uh, I think her her motivation was that um, she was 
she thought Iskander was too friendly with Texcalan and was essentially betraying his own culture by by bringing back the Empire's culture. And I don't know if she knew this or not, but she would have been correct. Like him delivering the Imago device to the Emperor was basically like the highest form of treason to the station right that that they could really come up with so he, that's he why she sabotaged it had um instructions to do something like that from like the mining guild right because or... the, the the mining guy the mining leader was like this well we have to become closer with the empire or we're going to get devoured by these this ex- external threat yes um so i thought they ended up you know nobody on the station was like a, a cackling villain they were just sort of real politique trying to yeah get stuff done yeah, I like that. Um, I thought oh, that was I, better. What did you? No spoilers, but I liked it. What did you think of the stuff where she finally gets her imago put back in by that, like black market neurosurgeon, and has to reintegrate the personalities? Oh, that was great. Um, also, okay, the, cool. the doctor was like straight from cyberpunk. So uh, I, I can You're see that. Doctor. Just sort of like nice bartering, weird technology <laughs> yeah, like in exchange for it. illegal yep, neurosurgery. Yep. Straight, straight from the game and also from Michael Petrie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, people will have to learn about him someday. He needs to be a guest. That would be He's good. We could do... Um, Jonathan Strange. Yeah, I was going to say Doctor Strange. Piranesi again. Yeah. Oh, that book was all right. Yeah, or we could do some book he's reading, whatever it is. Uh, let me... Okay, a couple last notes before we get down to it. Um, I thought this is a negative, um, ton of info dumping and just sort of like, you know, there were some attempts to be artful about it, but it was a lot of just sort of like, oh, and then three seagrass, you know, recited the poem about all the architecture in the city. And maybe it's not the actual poem, but it is a couple paragraphs of Mahit thinking about like, oh, the importance of the architecture and this and that, and everyone's clothes are always getting described and poems and, and food. And it was just like, ah, I could have cut easily half of that and, and been happy. Right. I, I agree. Um, did you feel like uh, Mahit and Three Seagrass's relationship came out of nowhere? I didn't. No, you mean like at the very end they sort of? I no, yeah. I, I I saw it coming. I I felt I felt like they had chemistry throughout most of the book. I wasn't really right. sure where it was going to go, but yeah, yeah. I guess I thought they're just going to be really like best friends, but I guess that's yeah some sort of bad ignorance on my part. <laughs> well, you know, I I mean it's so there. I thought uh, there aren't there aren't really. This is sort of a minor theme of our reviews at this point. There aren't really sex scenes in the way that there have been in other books. Um, I, which you know, I thought it was f- for what it was. It was pretty like restrained and and yeah. classy. Um, there is some interesting stuff that they never really get into all the way, which is just how how bizarre or how different from our own lives it must be for you know Mahit, a woman or anyone else in in the station who also has in their head you know 10 other personalities of both genders so there's it it would be a very different experience i think 
Right. But they and and it sort of touches on that, but doesn't, you know, explicitly, you know, beat you over the head with here's what all the implications are, which I sort of liked. But I felt like it kind of leaked through in the way Mahit thought about stuff, which was I, I thought pretty good. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. Um, how did you feel? No, here's something I disliked or, or never got used to, or never really liked. Um, there's a lot of internal narration in this book and there's a lot, well, no, you wouldn't have even experienced this. There, there's a lot of, um, words italicized in the internal narration and like is Waswakat. No, no. Like, like for emphasis, Oh, um, that sounds like too many words. Yeah, so it was like, um, this was 12, this is her own internal thoughts. This was 12 Azalea, and he was probably simultaneously sincere in his desire to effect a rescue if she needed one, and having far too much fun, and far too much fun is italicized, um, to that sort of like give it tone. This doesn't sound good at all. I did not, I did not care. I, I just, whenever I see that, I can't shake like Valley Girl, you know? Like this really dramatic. He was having far too much fun, it, I mean, and it just—it seems silly. It's a good accent. Thank you. <laughs> I'm kind of a specialist. Yeah. Um, so we're hitting the 54-minute mark pretty soon. Should we go to the all right? Two, two more quick things. Okay. Uh, I thought she said endocrine way too many times in the book. Oh yeah. Mahit is always thinking about her endocrine response, which I guess is like her instinctive response, usually based on Iskander's response and not hers to a situation. Um, it just started to seem like the only word Mahit knew that was scientific. And there's a lot of sort of modern colloquial swearing in this book, which I thought was okay for a while. And then it's just like constant, every character in a, whenever they're under stress, they just start throwing uh, swear words into sentences in like an American way. And I started to strain my, my sense of, of, you know, my vibe. Where you were. Yeah. yeah. And then last question, this was sort of like a little side story. How did you feel about the whole, like the sunlit and the city and this AI and the algorithm Oh yeah, I like did not understand that. I just kept thinking of cyberpunk, but it never really <laughs> seemed to. There's lots of AIs in cyberpunk, but it never seemed to like relate to the main story. You know? Yeah. Like, it was, uh, yeah. Like, what did it matter in the end? I like, think cause that whole it, thing had been cut. I I don't think it it did. It was all like weirdly peripheral. I think it sort of leads her in the direction of Eight Loop being involved because they're the one who programmed the, it just it all felt very sort of shallow to me um and right. it's funny that you said i literally have a a line in my notes that says i think um the ai stuff would have uncluttered the story if it was just omitted which is basically exactly what you said yeah yeah um, like uh, I, I even the eight loop stuff like i think eight loop could have been cut like yeah. what did that person do i don't know that's yeah i mean on the one hand like we it's a criticism we've made before that the politics didn't sort of feel expansive and real enough. So I guess you want to have a lot of characters in there, but I think the, the, the bones of the political situation could have been streamlined to make it less confusing and keep the focus on like character relationships and the decisions they're making. Right. 
Okay. Let's. Okay. Uh, I'm let's still undecided. Starting, oh. So you should go first. Okay. So I, I'm having trouble. The more we do this, separating, um, sort of the critical review from the personal review, where it's easy personally for me to say like, "Oh, I didn't like this," or "I thought this was okay," or whatever. Um, so I think I'm just going to stop worrying about it and just start blending it a little bit. I didn't love the experience of reading this book. I was pretty bored for the first half, picked up in the second half. I thought the writing was kind of rough. It was in, in ways that maybe are just personal to my own taste. But but on the other hand, there was some interesting stuff. It, it was it, it felt a little more competent in ways that some other books that I didn't like um, felt just sort of, you know, it felt a grade above that. So I, I don't know. I, I am, I am, I'm torn. I'm somewhere two or three stars. I'm, I'm going to have to, I'll let you talk about it and then I I'll know the answer. Yes. So I think um, for me, I kept thinking two stars for most of this book um, because I found the writing to be bloated and kind of slow. Uh, mostly the pacing was too slow. Hmm. Like I would have enjoyed it if the book was 50% shorter. Um, I thought the Imigo idea was cool. And then I, the only reason why I might give it three stars is because I like ancient Rome and this was like a reminder that that happened. <laughs> um, so I can't, if I'm saying that that's my main justification for going to three stars, because it reminds me of ancient Rome, I feel like that's not sufficient justification. So I'm going to go two stars and I will warn readers that my ratings may not be time consistent. Like, uh, yeah. I've given up on that. Yeah. Um, although I was, as you were talking about that, I was thinking, trying to think of what I'd given some other books. It's hard for me to not compare this to Ancillary Justice. I think this was better. So, Oh, yeah. I thought I, that was better. Really? Okay, interesting. But I think I gave it two stars. Or maybe... Th I, no, I think I gave it three. I mean, there's no way for me to know the answer to a question like this. But... Yeah. Um, I, I, th I think I'll... I don't know. I feel whatever review I'm going to give is going to end up being completely inconsistent. And I may need to rethink my entire rating scheme right. <laughs> either way. I didn't so. like it, right? Like I wouldn't recommend this book. Yeah, I wouldn't either. So, that, so that's I think that reason. has to be two stars. Yeah. But did I give? if I gave Ancillary Justice three stars, by that logic, it should have been two. So I'm going to give this two. I'm going to do some some hard thinking about my life decisions. But like, I felt like Ancillary Justice was readable. Like, um, I and thought the, the second reason... half of that was so bad. Right, right. Um, yeah, I was and about we to disagreed say... on that, so that's yeah, yeah. totally fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also, like, uh, at least the first half was so great, right? Yeah, the first half. The first half had like style and and like a little a little flair to it. Like it moved around and like it kept you guessing. Yeah, um, like you were really into the first half. I thought. Yeah, I, I really, that's probably why I gave it three stars. All right, that, yeah. that, that's fine. I think yeah. the, the thing is, the only reason I feel a little weird is because I think endings are harder than beginnings. Mm -hmm. And I think this book, 
had a decent ending. Yeah, it had a much uh, better ending. Which is rare for, I think, most of the... I joke about this, but like I think most of the books we review, uh, endings are, are... The ending may be the weakest for every book on this list. Yeah. I don't know. I like the ending best of Calculating Stars where she's just sort of like, man, space travel is beautiful. And I was like, yes, it is. That was good. Um, yeah. But... Um, yeah, but th the thing is, like, this had a good ending, but, like, getting to that ending was so painful. Yeah, I definitely would not have finished this book if not right. for review, which would have kind of been a shame because I there was stuff of value, I thought, but... Yeah, and, like, that's kind of what happened to me. Like, I read through two-thirds of it, and then I was like, yeah, I don't feel like it anymore. Also okay, Cyberpunk. so two stars for each of us, right? Yeah. Okay, great. But I agree. If if you're looking for like a, a dense sort of sci-fi sci world building-y type thing, you could do a lot worse. Like yeah. it's it's there's some good stuff in there. Um I noticed that we didn't prepare a book for next time. Oh, well, it is your turn. Oh, really? Yeah, that's, I picked that's this one. That's great news. <laughs> I wonder if I should choose something a little older just to get out of the modern yeah modern doesn't seem to be doing it of course older wasn't doing it either unless it was a book that i picked that i knew i already liked right um i could also go to a different list that's true that's true what did we decide we were going to do not um locus right i think locus was like the writer's one so we thought maybe it's better but right and also maybe it, it wasn't or something yeah okay let's see let's see i'm seeing the two sequels to ancillary justice oh yes well pick the first one if you're gonna don't pick the third one i'm not no well i'm gonna <laughs> you're gonna, gonna stay gonna away wait a hot minute have you read what's it called um hyperion nope that's Why don't Starcraft. we do that? I, I've been wanting to... I read the first... It's like uh, sort of individual... Well, I read the first section, which is probably not more than an eighth of the book, at least, mm -hmm. a while ago. And it's a, it's a little dense, but there was some cool stuff in there, and I've always wanted to finish it. Why don't we do that? Sure. This so is, this is... Hyperion by Dan Simmons. It won The Locus and The Hugo in 1990. Oh, good year. Was it? I mean, weren't the 90s the best? Oh, I don't think so. Maybe. Maybe. What about the 80s? I, I don't, oh. you know, being you born. You have to worry about like Soviet spies, though. That's true. I didn't really worry about it too much, though. Right. Because we didn't, we didn't really experience the 80s too much. Right. We were sort of sleeping a lot. Yeah. All right. Hyperion, Dan Simmons. We'll be back in two weeks with more Night Spice. Neil, I will see you then. Yep. See you, Oscar.